Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the third and fourth episode from season two of Castle Rock titled Ties That Bind and Restore Hope. Double episodes this week. I'm excited. Double up. <laughs> These were some pretty good episodes, a lot happening, and we get a lot of reveals, um, get a death. Um, and some good stuff in between. So I'm excited to talk about them this week. And it's good to be back with you this week, Sean. You had a thing last week, um, and then I was sick this week. I'm still sick, so I probably sound like shit right now. Sorry, folks. Um, anyway, we've been down with the sickness here yeah. in Strange Indeed, haven't oh, we? <laughs> wow. I knew you'd get that, buddy. Um <laughs> But it's true. We've you had it, and now I've got it. This stuff sucks. So we're gonna try and get through this without me coughing constantly. So I don't want to um, have the listeners have to listen to me doing that all night. So um, I'm ready to jump into our top five. I'll get started this week, um, and I know that we're covering both episodes, so all this is gonna kind of mingle together a little bit. Um, but I know we talked a little bit about um, in episode or at the end of episode two, going into three. Um, if there was any doubt, um, Ace is definitely back. I think we can say definitively yep. he has risen. Um, and it, it just, I'm trying to figure out, because um, he seems a little supernaturally. Like he, he's, it's like he's there and then he disappears. You know, like when, when Annie sees him out the window um, or when he's behind her in the car, when he's standing behind Chris, it's like he's there and then he's he just like he's able to disappear really quickly. So I don't know if he's got a little bit more of a supernatural um, – well, I guess clearly. I mean, if he's rising from the dead, maybe he's got yeah, a little bit of supernatural. True. I mean, I don't know. I sound a little stupid there. So. He's got like a little bit of like the grandma from Pennywise in that trailer where she's just kind of like wandering back and forth behind uh, oh, no. the girl and you can't see no, her. No, Sean, look, you're not allowed to ever bring that up ever again. <laughs> That was terrible. Oh my gosh, that that so whole scene just was so free, just freaked the hell out of me. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. If you're rising from the dead, you're a little supernatural. But he's not like just a zombie, right? I mean, he's not just like a a, a zombie and walking around. I mean, he's yeah. You know, it seems like he's himself, but he's almost enlightened. Like he's I don't know. <laughs> he's a little different, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. It. I thought that. I don't know. I'm kind of just trying to figure out. It's like, because uh, I, I keep going back and forth. Like, is it really Ace? Like, how much of Ace is there? I feel like he's got enough of, of like knowing about Ace and who he is and who his family is, and he knows enough to get around. But it almost seems like he's a little possessed. Do you get it's that? Very, yeah, it's very like body snatcher. Yeah. So he's got his memories, but he's kind of like he's got a purpose for what he's doing. We don't know what that purpose is, but he's kind of building this zombie. Uh, army, but they're not really zombies, but it's almost like they're a hive mind to an extent too, because they each know what they should do. Um, you know, like in the second episode, episode four, we saw, you know, the, uh, uh, um, 
house saleswoman. I, the name of oh, the realtor. <laughs> yeah, the realtor. Um, you know, we see her, you know, making googly eyes at the bartender and stabs him. You know, the cop takes the counselor uh, out and strangles her, and then one of the other guys just runs over a kid on a bike. So it's it's definitely like they're they're building this army. It seems of these, you know. Body it's, snatched people. It's got a little Stranger Things stuff happening there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of season three. Spoiler alert. If you guys haven't watched it, if you listen to us, you had to have watched it. But um, if you haven't, um, but yeah, it's got a little little Stranger Things feel happening with a little bit of body snatching happening. And what's up with the raw eggs or the eggs? Well, I think those general. were uh, like pickled eggs, which I think is a very like Irish thing. It's icky. I'm. I'm not a yeah like even like hard boiled or not hard boiled but like a um oh what's the deviled eggs I can eat like one half of them uh huh but that's kind of my limit like you get it like a couple of those and it's like on a hot summer day you're like no like that's a horrible idea yeah not a good thing because those uh, always are a picnic food it's a big pic you know I make a damn good deviled egg but I don't like to eat deviled eggs like I don't like them but some. It's- Somehow yeah. I got roped into making them one year. Like I used to help my grandma. So I guess I got whatever technique that she used to use. Um, and so I made them one year because I'm like, oh, that's a quick and easy thing to do. And um, so I brought them and they're like, oh my gosh, those are amazing. Um, so now it was like every single time there was like any type of a picnic or a barbecue or um, uh, a, a holiday dinner make deviled eggs. I'm like, I'm making this shit. I don't even like the damn things. I hate deviled eggs, but That's I got to make the, worst the damn when you're things. you're good at something and you're like, I don't even want to eat this. Like I'm sitting here making this going. Ugh. I know. I'm just like, ugh. I mean, and, but I like eggs in general. I mean, I like, you know, scrambled eggs. I like fried eggs. You know, I'm going to sit here and go through the list like, um, Pickled eggs. Pickled (laughs) eggs. Did not like pickled eggs. When we owned a bar when I was really little, there was a jar of, um, well, we had pickled eggs and there was a jar of pickled pig's feet. Uh, How do you eat pickled pig's feet? I feel like you just gnaw on them. I I don't know, but I remember being a kid and staring at the people in the bar, these old men. It was an old, like an old bar. It wasn't like, you know, a a disco club or anything like that. It was like your neighborhood um, (laughs) tavern. And um, so we always had a lot of old people in there and they would come in there and I'd see people eat them. And I would just sit there and stare. I was like such a stalker. I would just stare and be like, How? that is like the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. They would do it. They seem to enjoy it quite thoroughly. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, the, the raw egg thing. I think the raw egg thing got me more than almost anything else in that episode. Seeing him <laughs> crack open and eat that raw egg, I just, oh, it gave yeah, me the I'm shivers. Sorry. I was- I was thinking of the bar scene, but yeah, he was eating those raw well, eggs, wasn't he? But that seems to be a consistent thing is there, you know, she's eating those raw or not raw, but the pickled eggs and then he's eating raw eggs. I don't know. Is it a protein thing? I don't know. Um, uh, maybe the first movie they make you watch when you come out of the zombie thing is uh, the Rocky movie where he's eating raw eggs. Like, oh, that's what you need. Oh, yeah. Just put that baby in your protein shake. That'll get yeah. you going. Then oh, go man. chase a chicken. Yeah. Well, I really, anyway, with, with Ace, I feel like he's, you know, I'm just trying to kind of figure it out. What's, you know, he seems to have a little bit of extra something to him, not just like walking around risen from the dead. And I really liked that shot with Annie when she ran into the house and you know how it's like, they've got like a, like a GoPro camera strapped to them. Oh yeah. I don't like those You don't like that? No. Like there used to be a show on MTV called, um, 
Oh, shit. What was it called? It was essentially like a reality show where they'd go to these places that were haunted and all the people in those oh, would wear those things. Yes. I can't remember what yeah. it was called. Um, and like, I like it for that, but like, whenever movies and stuff do it, I just don't like it. Like, uh, I feel like if it's me out of it. Yeah. Well, I feel like if it's done right, I like it. And I thought this was really good because I really felt like it really put you right there with Annie and you could really feel like it was right up in her face and you could just really feel that stress. You could feel her anxiety. Um, and you could just really feel that she was like really starting to lose her grip on reality a little bit there. Um, so I, I liked it. But I, th- I thought that was a really cool scene. We definitely know Ace is back. And, of course, we see him in the rest of the episode and then, of course, in episode four as well. Um, but in case there was any doubt, he was back. So that, that was my number five. Uh, so my number five, what I'm I'm starting to see is a good theme for Castle Rock is like last episode we saw somebody who's um, – kind of going through Alzheimer's and mm. it really tied into the episode and I thought, or in the season really. And it was really kind of, you know, if you looked at it from uh, that character's perspective, you could almost be like, well, is any of this real or was this all kind of from her perspective or what's going on? And it seems like what they're tackling in this season is schizophrenia. I believe that would be the thing that they're tackling where you have Annie who's struggling with, you know, what she perceived as a, you know, uh, some kind of mental issue type of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's Stephen King, so is it supernatural or not? I remember last season we kind of debated, like, was was the Alzheimer just a, a natural uh, disease for her or was it, like, actually something with Castle Rock? And, you know, that's the question we have here with Annie. You know, she's dealing with these issues. She's figured out she can suppress them with pills. But, you know, all the things that are happening, like with uh, – um, uh, shit, what's his name? The one that uh, – the one that died, you just said his name, and I it blew my mind. Ace. Ace. Um, it's kind of like Ace. Like, okay, well, did he really die, or is he alive? You know, I mean, we're seeing other aspects of this the episode to be like, no, he he did die. He's come back to life, and all these things are happening. But if you're looking at this through the perspective of Annie, maybe all this isn't real. Like, maybe it's all in her head. And so yeah. I kind of wonder if this is something that they're going to tackle. You know, the first season was kind of like it made <clears throat> sense with what was going on. This season, it kind of makes sense with that character, too. Is this going to kind of be how they tackle episodes of Castle Rock, where they find these kind of different diseases and almost use them to kind of uh, almost as a, a starting point for the for the season? I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that kind of off? No, off kilter I, or? no, I don't I don't think so at all. And I, I, I think it's kind of interesting what they're doing. You know, like you said, with Annie is, um, you know, she thinks her meds aren't working, you know, that new, um, like cocktail mix that, you know, Dr. H put her on, you know, she thinks that they're not working. So she stops taking them because she's hallucinating. She's like, well, I'm seeing things. So clearly my medicine isn't working, but if she stops taking her medicine, then she is going to start, Yeah, <laughs> she's going to start having the real symptoms. So I, it's, it really made me sympathetic towards her because I thought, you know, she she really is trying hard to, you know, be compliant with her medicine. Like, she works really hard to stay on her medicine. She goes so far as to steal her medication just so she can, you know, be, um, you know, be stable for joy. And she even has a plan in place, you know, uh, if something goes wrong, this is what we're going to do and this is what I need you to do and, you know um, – so she tries to be really careful, and so 
I don't know. I, I, I really like where they're going with that, but I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. I think that totally makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. It's, I mean, again, it could just be kind of a coincidence that these are the two seasons in a row that kind of tie to that, but it would be interesting. It's kind of like a American horror story where it was revealed that each season is basically based around one of the layers, the levels of hell. Uh. So, you know, loosely, like it, it's just kind of like, okay, when we did this season, we based it on this specific level of hell. And so it'd be kind of interesting if they kind of tackled this in a similar fashion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see where um, it continues to go. Um, I think we're going to get some backstory soon. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so what do you have for your number four? My number four, I want to talk a little bit about Marston House. Um, so. Annie returns, and I'm just sitting here shaking my head, like, what, what, wait, what are you doing? Why would you go back there? Um, but she goes back to the Marston house, and Abdi's henchman, um, he's arisen, like Ace. Um, he's covered in that slimy goo, mm-hmm. and we talked about the raw egg. I mean, that to me, that was disturbing. I don't know why. I'm like, I can sit there and watch, you know, these these people get killed and rise from the dead. And when Annie killed Ace with the ice cream scoop, that was terrible. But for some reason, this dude cracking open this raw egg and eating it got to me more than anything. I was just like, that's just nasty. Um, I can't handle it. And then when Ace later comes back there with the realtor, why does he ask her if she can still have children? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is he wanting demon babies? (laughs) That's what I was wondering. And that's one of those things, like, I don't care, like, what kind of realtor you are. Like, if if you're going into especially a very weird, you know, kind of abandoned-esque building and the person's like, hey, can you still have babies? Like, ju- just leave. Like, don't make that sale. Yeah. Like, even if you make that sale, it's not going to be okay. As In speaking as a former realtor, uh, if I am showing a house – and I'm getting ready to, you know, we're up on the porch and I'm getting ready to open the door and someone looks at me and says, um, can you still have children? Uh, I'm, I'm clocking him one and I'm getting the hell away. <laughs> that, why would you, that's, that's just a creepy question. And especially with someone look, you know, that, you know, the way the ace does it, it just has a really creepy tone to it. And um, I would just, I don't know. I just thought I'd. I'm wondering what's behind that question because it seems really peculiar. I feel like it it stood out and it was weird enough that it's going to come back to, into play or something. I don't know. Um, and we get a little bit of history about the Marston House. I mean, we already talked about it um, in the last episode that we talked about a little bit about the history of the Marston House. But we get um, that history as well here um, about what took place there. And so I, I mentioned earlier um, about – like I feel like when I look at Ace, I feel like he's still kind of Ace to be able to pass as him. Like he knows the same things that Ace knows um, to be able to pass in town or to his family. And he knows just enough information to get by. But I feel like he's kind of possessed. And it makes me wonder, do you think he's possessed by Hubie Marsden, the builder of the house? And Maybe. he was into the black yeah. magic and all of that. It just makes me wonder. You know, that's actually a good point. Because when he went back to the house and he was talking about he knew an awful lot about him. Yeah. Even though, you know, I mean, I guess being from that town, you probably would know the rumors, but he seemed a little bit more he almost infatuated seemed really, with Yeah, it. he seemed really into it, didn't he? <laughs> almost like proud. <laughs> so, and then we were talking about the realtor. Did she work for that same realty group from season one? 
<laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. So anyway, nice little callback uh, from season one there. But I, I, I think that the Marston house is becoming a character in of itself in this um, this season anyway so far. So I find it really interesting. Um, we've really gotten some really dark um, history on that house, and I'm look you know looking forward to kind of learning a little bit more about it and kind of what happened there. Um, especially what the hell was under, um, down in that like cavern, um, under the house. So that's my number four It's Marston house. Uh, my number four will probably be extremely short and sweet, but, uh, as the kids were going out to the lake, they were talking about, if you find a floating head, it's mine. Yeah. Uh, as they were tying back to season one of Castle Rock. Oh yes. Where the warden took off his own head in a very... <laughs> Gruesome fashion, uh-huh. and they never found the head. How weird so, is that? Uh, I, I, I really like that because so far there really hasn't been any references to season one at all. Yeah. And so it was very quick, and you could have easily missed it too. So I really like that they threw that out there. We got at least a hint that season one has happened because, you know, even as watching this, I think they've announced it or explained it this way, but, you know, like this season here is like, well, did it happen after season one, before season one, 10 years after season one? Like, where is it in, you know, the continuity of Castle Rock? But it seems like it's been relatively in the same time frame. Maybe, you know, it's been a year since Castle Rock season one came out, so it could easily be just a year since then. Um, so I really like that they had that little tidbit even in there, even if it is just a, a quick throwaway and they're not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah, it was that was a, a fun little callback. Gruesome, yes, um, but a, a nice little callback for sure. Oh, season one. Gosh, I remember that. That was like from the first episode, wasn't it? When yeah. When he did that, it was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, we were watching? both excited for the actor, and it's like, oh, well, that I guess that happened. So um, hmm. Hmm. I, is he going to be in any more episodes? And I, I mean, know. he kind of was you know, sprinkled in, but yeah, it was – it was very quick, like, very damn, gruesome. Damn, Terry O'Quinn, man. Yeah, Love they, that guy. Oh, man, like that whole that first like scene too because it's like, okay, well, is the car possessed? Is it a Christine reference? And there was a dog. Is that a Cujo reference? Mm-hmm. Like what, are, what does all this mean? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Do you remember when Castle Rock season one kind of started picking up? Was it about this time? Because I felt like this episode, like up to this point, I feel like we've been kind of moving a little bit slow. But mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the reason it feels that way is because last year we were trying to do two episodes a week. Yeah. If maybe we've kind of we like at this is the point where it really starts to take off in the the Castle Rock kind of um, formula. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, I feel like it it kind of held to that same pattern. I feel like this season's been a little bit more steady. Like it's been really good and pretty steady, but it definitely kind of feels a little bit of that same pattern. Um, kind of like season one, but yeah, gosh, Terry O'Quinn. Yeah. What a way to start off a season. Let's mm-hmm. have a guy decapitate himself and hang himself by leaping yeah. off of a cliff, um, at a it's lake. It's like, what's he going to do? You're like, oh, well, yeah, that'd do the trick, wouldn't it? Yeah. I had, I would have, I don't think I would have ever thought of that, you know, seeing all that. I'm like, what is happening here? What is going yeah. on? I mean, think about being in the writer room and they're like, all right, so we're going to have our main guy kill himself in the first episode. I want to spitball weird ideas. And the person that came up with that is like, you win. No kidding. I'm, I'm worried about you, but you win. Yeah, you win. And we'd like for you to call this helpline. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> anyway, I like it. Well, that actually kind of goes into um, my number three, and that is want to go look for a dead body. Ah, uh, um, yes, I love it. It so many so many vibes from Stand by Me in in all of this, and I really find it ironic that Ace is the dead body that the kids go looking for, which mirrors Stand By Me when Gordy and his friends look for a dead body. And, you know, then it was Ace and his gang of friends also going out to look for the dead body and after, and also chasing the boys, too. Um, so I thought that was, a, you know, a nice little homage to that. Also, Joy's new friend Chance has a haircut like Gordy. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you go back and look at um, pictures of Will Wheaton uh, playing Gordy, um, it, it's the same exact haircut, I swear. And she favors him like she's just the face and the eyes and everything. And then her name is Chance. Gordy's last name was Lachance. Um, and then the kids um, they go out looking for Ace, who's rumored to be dead. They go out to Castle Lake, where, like you said, the warden of Shawshank killed himself. They never found his head. Um, I, I, I don't know why it wouldn't float, but it's creepy. It's Castle Lake. I guess there's all kinds of creepy stuff happening there. Um, they decide as they're walking, which it really um, – they were doing that walk in the woods, very much like the kids in Stand By Me when they were walking on the train tracks, um, very much like that. But in Stand By Me, they didn't have special brownies. That's um, true. Didn't have special brownies. That, that might have made their trip a little bit more fun. Which, um, to be fair, like – if you're going to give somebody special brownies, you should probably give them a heads up before they eat them. Like you shouldn't kind of like dope your friend. Yeah, it it would be nice to have some consent and to inform someone, "Oh, by the way, there's a little something special uh, happening in the brownies." I don't I don't think that that's cool. I'm totally down, you know, for for, you know, having some fun, but you should tell people. Um it's important that people know that. Um so yeah, they had some special brownies. Gave Joy some confidence she didn't knew uh, didn't know that she had, and it even gave her enough confidence to curse, and that was fun. Yeah, that was um, fun. Yeah, to kind of see her cut loose and her friends, you know, kind of getting a kick out of seeing her loosen up a little bit. And then she go- takes it one step further and ends up jumping in the water um, to go after that straight oar. And did you catch when she was under the water? What she heard? I didn't catch. I know, I tried to rewatch it. So what? What did she hear? I heard like a thumping kind of sound. It was the schisma from season one. Ah, uh, yes. The voice of God that they called it, but I uh-huh. think they called it That's the schisma, right. the scientific kind of verbiage that they used. Um, so yeah, when she's under the water, she can hear it, and she comes up. She's like. Sounds really what I, verbate. I, I don't know what she said verbatim, but something like it's. It sounds really weird down there. And I was like, and I had to rewind it because I'm like, did I did I hear that? Like, did I hear that right? Because uh, I wasn't expecting it, and I thought I'm not hearing that right. Um, so I rewound it really quickly, and I was like, that's 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 the thing from season one. I had to look it up because I totally forgot what it was called. It. I did not rewatch season one before we did this because being an anthology, I thought there wasn't really a whole whole point to it. Um, but I, so I had to look it up. But yeah, the schisma. So I wonder what that means. Um, I mean, I don't know what it means, but yeah, I'm just curious why it, she hears it. Is it just a reference point, or is it? That's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, are they going to really do a good job of trying to tie season one and season two together, 
or is it more of just like a oh here's a few little you know nuggets from season one that you can be like oh okay cool yeah that right. that makes sense. I don't know that they'll tie it in as far as how far they took it last season, um, but I'm wondering if if it could just be a nice reference, like oh yeah that still exists here and it's still a thing, or is it? A tie-in to the season one to kind of say, yeah, it's still here, it's still happening, and also maybe Joy is special because not everyone maybe, could hear yeah. it, right? Not everybody heard the schisma in in season one. It was certain people, so I, I just wonder, you know, if it makes Joy different from other people um, that that she's the one that hears it. So I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if anything else will come of it, um, but it, I think it would be fun. So anyway, that's my number three. Sweet. Well, my number three is on the run. So Joy learns as she has her mother tied up that (laughs) they are on the run from her father. And she was kind of always told, I guess, that like her father was like a actually a good guy and like had passed away or there's like a whole story back behind it. But she kind of learns that, you know, they're on the run from her father. And uh, I really like the the aspect they put here and they and the, and I like that they they're really putting this pretty early on too. I mean, this is episode three, and Joy is learning like okay, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like my mother's been lying to me, mm-hmm. and she doesn't stick around like a long time. Like it 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 feels a little bit more realistic. Like you know, you're trying to help your mom. You find out that she's not taking her pills when you're trying to give her her pills. She freaks out, slashes your arm accidentally, oh, and instead yeah. of you know kind of sticking around you're like i'm gone and you send somebody else to get your stuff and very much like disassociate yourself from that extremely dangerous situation so not only is joy on the run from uh, well potentially on the run from her real dad well now she's on the run from her mom trying to get away from this whole situation again that kind of goes back to my number five a little bit with you know you know what's real and what's not you know, Joy is sitting there listening to her mom, and her mom sounds like, I killed a man, and he came back to life, and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, like, did you really do that? And you find out that Ace is alive. You see Ace, and he's just the same creepy Ace that you knew before. And you just, you know, I mean, if you're not in a Stephen King-based TV show, you would probably think the same thing she is. Your mom has just kind of reached the point where you have to go get help. Yeah, if you know you're in a Stephen King-based TV show, you're like, okay, maybe my mom's on to something. Yeah, maybe she, maybe she's not having hallucinations. Um, she's really seeing dead people walking around. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that was my number three is just the, really that exposure of them being on the run. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't uh, – I feel like Annie's still not being completely truthful. I feel like she's still kind of – like yeah. telling enough of the truth to, you know, where it sounds like it's the truth. But I feel like she's still either holding back, modifying things a little bit, maybe. Um, but I still feel like that's not the the whole story. I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong, but I still feel like well, I don't quite believe that she's being as upfront and honest. I mean, even when she went out and was trying to, you know, talk to letting their daughter back, the, you know, basically figure out where her daughter was, she was still spilling kind of some semi-lies and semi-truths, so. Yeah. Yeah, that, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure... We'll find out more as we go, but I just I don't know that I believe all that she was saying just yet. I feel like she's just saying enough to make it sound truthful. Um, but yeah, I I like all of that. Um, 
Well, we we did get to see. So let's see. What are we on? My number two. Um, <laughs> I really liked the scene. This is kind of short and sweet for me, but I, I feel like it's worth noting because I really I, I just love seeing female badassery, and we got to see that with Nadia. Yes. Oh my goodness. Like that, that scene. Cool? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'll that's okay. That no, it's okay. Like I said, it's short and sweet. Um, I just really enjoyed that whole scene. And first I thought attacking Pop's daughter, are you freaking crazy? Do you have a death wish? What the hell? How desperate were these guys thinking that they're somehow going to get out of, you know, like this is going to just be okay. We can attack Pop's daughter. So First, that was dumb, um, but she totally turned it around, and I love that, um, that she's like, you know, I grew up here, um, you know, when she showed him how she could shoot that gun, and she took care of herself. I love that she was capable. I love that she was strong, and she was able to take down two, you know, big-ass guys um, and, you know, able to protect herself. So that was amazing. You could definitely kind of see um, that she was Pop's daughter, um, maybe not blood, but I think he, you know, she's probably learned some things from him. So, oh yeah, I, I thought the that was line where cool. she's like, "I fuck," uh, she says, "Like I grew up here." Yeah, or, I'm the bitch that grew up here. You're like, oh yeah, like that's hell yeah. She's not a person to be messed with. Yeah, I love that line. Um, I was like, I love that. It takes me back to my small town roots, um, and then the town I grew up in. Um, we, we got, if you grew up in my town, you got teased about growing up in my town. So you kind of learned to have a a bit of a thick skin and you learned how to kind of take care of yourself because you would get picked on, um, by the little neighboring town, you know, next to us. If, if kids knew that you grew up there or were from there, they just always looked at you differently. And so you kind of learned to be tough and it's like, yeah, grew up here, pop right in the face. Um, we had reputations being a little rough. That's okay. Yeah, that scene, I mean, it went from, uh, I thought it was going to get extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, to me a, too. a point where like she's like, yeah, I'm not a person to be messed with. And I mean, I kind of feel like at that point, it would have been justified just to shoot both those guys in the face. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think the only thing that held her back is she's a doctor. And, yeah. you know, the, 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 Hippocratic, the, oath. the Hippocratic Oath of um, first do no harm, I'm sure is what probably is about the only thing that stopped her. She seemed fully capable um, and ready to do that if necessary. Um, I'm sure if it came down to defending herself, but I'm sure that's what held her back. That makes sense. Those were lucky fellas that, (laughs) that she felt that way and that she was true to her oath. Um, But anyway, short and sweet. I really just, I thought that was worth noting because that was super awesome. And I I love seeing uh, female badasses. So what is your number two? Uh, my number two was uh, kind of the ace zombie crew, uh, but mm. it also kind of tied to that was uh, Chris's death. Oh yeah. So when Dang. it was when it you know because bad. we saw I, I'd mentioned it earlier we saw the cop you know kill the the councilwoman we saw the uh, house saleswoman killing the uh, um, <laughs> bartender. <laughs> You know, so we saw all this happening and we saw Ace trying to kill Chris and he stabs him, but he's kind of getting away. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, maybe he's going to get away and this is going to be a turning point. And he gets out there. And of course, the the preacher we saw earlier, the I guess it'd be the a father. I don't know if he'd still call him a preacher for the Catholic. Pastor. But, we'll go with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, 
But you see, you see him walk out, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'll call you an ambulance!" And he comes back with this big ass, heavy <sighs> religious symbol, and like he instantly, like even when he like walked out there, and he's like, "Help, help!" I'm like, "Oh, it's done." The pastor, like you're yeah. dead. Yeah. And that was brutal. Like that's like, you know, you just saved. You know, you just got like in this tussle that you probably never dreamed of in a million years. And then all of a sudden, like another thing you wouldn't think of in a million years, the the pastor coming with this huge ass golden spike and stabbing you in the neck. So I know I thought he was going to hit him over the head. That's I what thought so too, I thought yeah. I was just going to clobber him on the head, but no, he went full. He went all in and to the neck, man. And that's I mean I was really starting to like Chris too, and like in this I, I was figuring like he'd be kind of the savior of everything. I but know. he's a good guy, and he was just starting to kind of get fleshed out. A little bit, learning a little bit more about him, this whole affair with him and Nadia, um, you know, so I thought, oh, we're just kind of getting to know him a little bit more and getting to some good stuff, some juicy stuff and fleshing mm-hmm. him out and, you know, there now he's gone. But I don't know. I think it might be kind of interesting to see, you know, um, resurrected Chris and see what happens there. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, I'm curious how it'll turn out, like you said, but. Yeah, my uh, my number two is kind of tied to yours as well, but uh, a little bit extra with the uh, the R.I.P. Chris. And that was a little extra. It was because I felt it was a little overplayed, just a tiny bit. Cain yeah, uh, yeah. killing Abel in the house of God. You know, it's kind <laughs> of like what it was like there, the two brothers. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, you know, that and, makes sense. Yeah, so a little bit overplayed and a little extra, but that's okay. I'm extra and I love it. So Somebody wrote that thinking they're extremely clever. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that gone too soon. R.I.P. Chris, you're right. Um, was just getting ready or um, getting to know you. All right, my number one. So I want to talk a little bit about Joy and because we did kind of talk about just a little bit as far as you know her tying her mom up. Um, so Annie has this emergency plan. I uh, kind of mentioned that earlier, you know, how I felt like she she's trying to do all these right things. She knows that she needs her medication. Um, she sticks to her medication, and she knows that when she does, you know, she can, you know, be there for Joy and, you know, be a good mom to her. Um, but if something did go bad, because we know that she's getting those, at least most of the time when they're moving all the time, she's getting those drugs by illegal means. So there's always a chance that she might run out before she can get more getting a job at a hospital or, you know, whatever. Um, so she has this emergency plan in place. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting. I mean, this was, seemed very detailed, um, this plan that they had. And so she has an injection also at the ready. I don't know what was in that injection. Oh, it's like a Haldol or something. Um, but she has this injection. And then she's supposed to tie, Joy is supposed to tie Annie to the bed. Um, and get her to take her meds, if she has them. And I guess if she doesn't have them, um, at least it's supposed to be a way for her to kind of keep her calm and, you know, um, doing something that maybe she shouldn't um, when she's off her meds. So, and then when Annie escapes, um, she's got that glass in her mouth, and that was kind of hard to watch. Because um, yeah. you know she's tearing up the inside of her mouth, too. Yeah, um, I'll, I- I've been watching a lot of wrestling and they have some matches where I don't think they get it in their mouth, but they like act like they put like tacks or glass in the person's mouth. Oh. And you just imagine just that little bit, 
even if it's just a t- like one tack or one little bit of glass and you swallow that, uh, it's just going to tear you up on the inside for sure. Yeah, I not a good idea. Um, that whole scene was just – I was just – I couldn't stop watching for sure. I'm just like, what is happening? And then when her shoulder pops out – Oh man, they just they kept they kept adding to it. I just thought it can't get worse. It got worse. Um so I liked all of that. And then we find out that she's oh, so she's starting to have more hallucinations and we see this guy again. We've saw oh I don't remember what was it the first episode? I don't remember. Um this person that she has hallucinations of who is this guy? Um he he gives me secret window, secret garden vibes, um, this mysterious person. And when he says, you know how this story ends, that's very much like yeah. secret uh, window, secret garden, one of my favorite short stories and a really good, I, it did not get great reviews, but um, Johnny Depp was in it. Um, John Turturro was in it and I loved it. Uh, Maria Bello was in it. I really loved it. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but I I could just watch it. All the time. Anytime I see it on TV, I watch it. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think Johnny Depp's really great in it and has some really great, great scenes. And John Turturro's really great in it, too. I recommend it. And the short story is really good. I recommend that if anyone hasn't read it. Um, you'll never look at corn in the same way again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I just, I thought that whole thing was interesting. That she had the, the typewriter noises again. Yeah. Had the, what the hell's going on with the typewriter noise? I keep tying it back to Paul Sheldon. Um, but I mean, that hasn't happened yet. But it's just weird that we keep getting that noise. Um, but we know, like with, you know, in the movie Misery, I don't know if it's just a, a fun little tie-in or if it actually means something or not. Um, but I just f- found that really interesting. And uh, there's this fan theory going around, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I don't know if I buy into it or not, but I thought it was interesting and thought it was worth at least bringing up. And I wanted to ask you what you thought. And I want, what do you think about joy actually being the Annie Wilkes that we know today? Um, based on. Okay. What's it based on? So the way that she ties her mom to the bed I know that's what Andy that, wanted, yeah. but you know she she ties her to the bed. Um, I think the way that she plays her mom um, and the rage that she has against her mom, or at least at this point, um, there's just a big fan theory that there's that something happens to her mom, the real Annie. She takes on her mom's persona, kind of Norman Bates it. Yeah, and she even has the same haircut. I mean, yeah, she's got the exact same haircut of, of of the Annie Wilkes that we know. So I, I don't know. I was I was thinking that maybe something happens to Joy, and that pushes Annie to become even more of the Annie we know. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I've been processing in my head. But I would that'd be an awesome twist. It would be a twist. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that I buy into it. But I saw that, and I'm like, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it because I feel like I'm seeing enough Annie Wilkes. Um, Lizzie Kaplan's um, playing the Annie Wilkes. Um, that I feel like that's truly her. Um, I don't know if I really buy into it or not, but I thought it was kind of interesting, and it would be a hell of a twist. Um, 
if she t- took on like her mom's persona, took on her name. Um, but it just had those vibes of the tying to the bed. Of course, it could be com- just completely false, and that's just a silly thought because it's Annie's idea that Joy tie her to the bed. You know, that was mm-hmm. part of her emergency plan. She's like, yes, I, you need to tie me to the bed because I could become dangerous or if I'm hallucinating, I don't know what to do. Or um, this is a safe way to, one, keep Annie safe. She can't do anything to herself or to anyone else. Um, so it, it could be just completely false because it was her idea to begin with. So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting and it would be a hell of a twist. So thought I'd just kind of throw that out there just for funsies. So that's my number one. So my number one, uh, it's essentially just the big reveal from this, but I have a little theory that it's a big reveal, but I think they're, well, I guess it's not a theory. Maybe the, the note kind of proves it, but uh, we find out that from the incident in Somalia, that mm. Pop was the one that pulled the trigger. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why I'm contradicting myself now, but I'm pretty sure that Pop pulls out a letter that appears to be from Nadia and Abdai's mother. Mm. At least that's what, I mean, just kind of looking at it, it seemed like that's what it was. So I was kind of thinking that maybe the mother, their mother's still alive, but... Now that I'm saying that, it could have been a letter he wrote for the kids. Maybe. Oh. I need to go back not, and, and look at that. Yeah. I might have missed that. No, because I saw him pull out the letter, and it was for them, and it's talking about my dear children. But it could have been him explaining, because it's the one he burned. Ah, uh, right. Which, to me, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, okay, the mother's still alive, and that's the big <clears> secret. <throat> Which I kind of hope is the big secret, because... If the big secret is essentially just that he was the one that pulled the trigger, that seems a little too cliche and a little bit too kind of. We like, called that already. Yeah, it's just I mean, too. Like, it's too straightforward for Castle Rock. Yeah, I feel episode one, you're like, oh, okay. Well, obviously, the easiest thing is he's the one that did it. Mm-hmm. Like he could have been there, but no, he's probably the one that pulled the trigger. And it's like, yeah, that's what happened. But yeah, I kind of feel like it would be a bigger twist if. Um, the mom was still alive, that she was saved after that. And the whole idea is that, you know, she is sent like all these letters, but wants them to stay in America for better life or whatever. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I guess maybe I'm just mumbling too much through it. No, well, you're not doing any more mumbling than what I would be. Um, I don't know. I, I think it would be more of a twist if their mother was alive. We know that she wanted them to go to America Mm-hmm. Um, and get out of where they were. So maybe if um, maybe they didn't know, maybe they thought she was dead at that time, and they were already making the move to America, um, but she was in a hospital somewhere, and just you know, I mean, it, it's possible. I don't know, um, but it, yeah, it could have just been a letter also from Pops, um, and maybe we just didn't catch that. So I don't I don't think you're too far off or anything, and I don't know that I have any better thoughts about it than what you do. Um, but I, I was just kind of like, well, okay, yeah, when we got the reveal to see that it was Pops that, you know, was the one that, that shot the mom, I was like, okay, I mean, if that's where they want to go, they're going to have to do something with it after this to, because it, yeah. it was just too straightforward. I was just like, it's just too, nah, we, we called that, and it just doesn't feel castle rock so i feel like there's got to be more to it but i don't know so i don't think that you're you're really that wrong 
Uh, yeah, that was my number one. I think we touched on most of my notes. So what do you have for some some notes? Notes. Notes. Mail call. <laughs> um, oh, some Annie's lines. Um, what the mother's own fudge are you doing? <laughs> I just, I'm going to write down all of her lines and I'm just going to try, I'm going to stop cursing and I'm just going to use all of Annie's lines. Um one of my favorites, it wasn't from, I don't think it was from this episode. I think it was from um, episode two uh, when she's really, you know, railing on Joy. And she says, there'll be blood on Christmas before I yeah. let that happen. <laughs> I don't know why that just tickled me so much. <laughs> um, and then her whole Christmas, um, you know, when she sees the the people in the house, in Marsden House, having sex in the other episode. I mean, she's got just great lines. <laughs> I I just love everything that she says. Um and I think she said Jiminy Christmas um, I think in so, one of these yeah. episodes. So I love her lines and definitely wanted to make note of them. Um some notes that I have. I'm getting out of order. My papers are going all over the place. Easter eggs. One of my Ooh, favorite these parts. These are my favorite, yeah. Yeah. So I think I've gotten these into episode three and then into episode four. So um so the first one, The Body or Stand By Me, because it was The Body was the name of the short story. Stand By Me was the movie, for those that didn't know. Um, so when Chance and two other friends go with Joy to find the body of Ace Merrill in Castle Lake, it's very clearly a riff on the quartet that goes searching for a corpse in the short story famously turned into Stand By Me. There's even some playfulness here with names, as one of the kids in the short story was named Gordon LaChance, turned into Chance here, and another was named Vern, adapted into Vera here mm. so that was nice um you mentioned castle rock season one when the kids get to the lake they referenced the fact that the warden of shawshank killed himself there but they found the body but not the head and of course that's a reference to the subplot in season one um dairy maine when ace returns from the dead to see pop he says he was in dairy yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah a common setting for king's fiction it appears in several of his most famous works including pet cemetery Eleven twenty-two sixty-three. Needful Things, The Tommy Knockers, and many more. It's perhaps most famously known for the place uh, where things get intense every twenty-seven years in a little story called "It." Yep, you got it. Um, okay, misery. Uh, with Annie Wilkes being this year's protagonist, the assumption was that she would kidnap someone and tie them to a bed, a la her, a la her iteration in Misery. As they so often do, the writers subvert that a bit when they have Joy, Annie's daughter, tie her mother to the bed in a way that's very reminiscent of Paul Sheldon's Captivity in the King book and hit film. Um, this one is not quite um, a Stephen King Easter egg. It's a J.J. Abrams Easter egg. And J.J. Abrams is an executive producer on the show, as is Stephen King. But Greg Grunberg, who played the cop um, that quickly died and is now part of the um, the, the squad, the um, weird the squad. body snatcher like squad. Yeah. Um, so Greg Gunberg's appearance um, is like a J.J. Abrams Easter egg. He... Abrams is an executive producer on Castle Rock and his pal frequently appears in his projects. I think pretty much anything that you've seen of J.J. Abrams, you've seen Greg Grunberg. So if his face looks yep. familiar, that is why. He's most famous, I think, for Heroes, which I don't think was J.J. Abrams. But in Lost, he was a pilot mm -hmm. that was in just for like a scene. Yep. You're right. <clears throat> 
Um, also, a visual cue of junk food. So just like in King's book, Annie retreats to junk food. Lots of junk food when she's feeling blue. Um, and then, oops, September 7th, 2004. The Ravening Angel disc reads September 7th, 2004, a date that, from what I can gather, holds no real-world significance. Initially, however, um, after researching September 4th of that year and discovered that that was the day that Ke- uh, Stephen King threw the first pitch at Fenway Park. Not only was his, oh, cool. not only was his pitch preserved on screen in the Jimmy Fallon vehicle fever pitch, but it also occurred during the Red Sox season that King and writer Stuart O'Neill chronicled in their 2004 bestseller Faithful. Um, one other thing, it was on September 21st, 2004, that King released the seventh and final book of the Dark Tower series. So take that however you like. Um, an extended universe pen pals. So Pop's got a whole lot of correspondence tucked away in his files, and on it are some familiar names. Alan Pangborn, a major figure in King's Castle Rock, who also played a prominent role last season, has his name on some letters, as does Dale Lacey, Terry O'Quinn's late warden warden of last season. And episode three, Chance and Company reflect on how nobody ever found his decapitated head. Mm -hmm. Those are my notes, um, or extra notes, Easter eggs. So I like That's to throw awesome. them in. Oh, I love those. Love those Easter eggs. And we're getting a little bit more as we're getting, you know, first couple episodes, we, you know, didn't have too many. Um, but now we're really getting into some. So that's super fun. All right. Well, now we're going to get into the nitty gritty and into my favorite part of the podcast. Um, and that is our, once I find it here in my list, our listener feedback. And this is Letters from the Laughing Place. Um, the first one that we have um, is from Lindsay Schlicht. Now, I combined the feedback for episodes three and four. So this one is specifically for um, episode three. So Lindsay says, I don't understand the part where Ace was looking at himself out of the corner of his eye in the bathroom mirror. Did I miss something? Um, nope, I don't understand it either, Lindsay. Um, she goes on, as soon as Annie noticed the glass on the side table, I was wondering if we were going to have a repeat from Gerald's game. At first, I was glad she wasn't cutting her own wrists to escape, but dislocating her own shoulder was nearly as bad. Uh, really hoping for some answers soon. How did Ace come back? What's with that house? What's with the typewriter? <laughs> I know. I have all these same questions, Lindsay. I'm just going through with you, nodding my head like, yes, yes. Um, she goes on, who is Joy's dad? And is he really chasing them? And who the hell was that guy at the end with Annie? Loving the season even more than the last one. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Lindsay. It's kind of like Welcome to Castle Rock, where every question doesn't have an answer. No, at least not right now. We might get one or two of those answers, but I don't think we're going to get all of them for sure. But really great feedback. Our next one comes from Doug Fix. So love the opening selfie stick camera work. Really gets you in Annie's frame of mind. So it appears we have a house of death and a resurrection at the Marston house, or Marston place. And is Ace the recruiter? Kind of like the Billy in Stranger Things. <laughs> love the actress who plays the real estate agent. Uh, Doug, I think you mean house salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that from now on. <laughs> Uh, she is in everything. Look, like we have a stand by me nod when the kids go to the lake. Annie is not having delusions. What she is seeing is real. But when she cuts her own arm loose from the bedpost, why wouldn't she just reach over and untie her other arm? I had the same thought. It's kind of like, hey, you've already done like all the work necessary. Yeah. Why make it even worse? Really good point. I did have the same thought. Yeah, good point. 
<clears throat> oh, maybe it was the whole dislocated shoulder thing. Mm-hmm. Also, when she is in the rain and all bloody, it had a Carrie vibe to it. Oh, good. Lizzie is killing it. If there isn't a Golden Globe or Emmy nod, we riot. Who is the guy in the hat with the blood running up his face? Does that mean he was killed while upside down? Ooh. So good. Liking better than season one. Dirty Bird Tally is at four. <laughs> also, can I start a GoFundMe to afford Hulu without the commercials? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if I see Pitbull in another commercial, I'm going to need the lithium. <laughs> 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 Doug. <laughs> oh, my God. Doug, I wanted to bring this up, but I was worried it would just be me getting these commercials because, yeah, if nobody's seeing this, I'm sure everybody is. Pitbull know, is like so around Pitbull. all these talented dancers, and he just stands there as like does like a little like barely um, move arm. Like he me, shows up, he's like that's the, coffee, it's, and that's all you get. That's like the essential, in my opinion, um, epitome of Pitbull. He surrounds himself <laughs> with talented people, and because he's not so talented himself. Oh, sorry man, if you're Doug, a fan I of love Pitbull. You. That uh, that looking forward. Really got oh, me. Sorry. Sorry. Looking forward to the cast <laughs> RNS. I may miss next week as I will be in Jamaica. Sorry, not sorry. Hey, just remember, have fun. Yeah. Damn, went to Jamaica and didn't take me. What the hell? I know, right? Me, we would have both went. Arctic blast up here. Yeah. He could have been like, I don't know where Doug lives. He's like, hey, you guys have to drive here. We would have done it. Um, I mean, if you're going to pay for a plane trip and yeah, hotel. Stuff me in your suitcase. I can I can contort <laughs> myself into a suitcase. Let's go to Jamaica, dude. Um, oh my gosh, I cannot cannot get over that um, commercial thing. I'm still, <laughs> gosh, my chest hurts oh, from uh, the laughing and the crying. All right, next one. So this um, feedback is from episode four. Um, first one is from Lindsay Schlick. She says, Ace watching that video was super creepy. It's like he was trying to understand how to be Ace. Is that right? Like he's definitely not Ace anymore, but he's trying to pass. Oh, Lindsay, we share the same brain. This is so good. Thank you. I've ha- I'm having the same thoughts. Um, something's just weird. But yeah, it was creepy, regardless of what his intent was or why. Um, super creepy. Um, naughty with the gun. Hell yes. Great scene. I had a feeling we were going to find out Pop had something to do with their mother's death, though. That was pretty sad. Uh, you know what we f- missed here? Mm. Naughty has got a gun. Oh, Sean. <laughs> We could have went without that. Um, no. She goes, <laughs> <laughs> so they are killing up the town and making what? Vampires? Zombies? Can't wait to find out what in the world is going on. The next episode seems to be more of Annie's backstory and people are buzzing about the acting, so I can't wait to watch. Oh, I'm excited to watch the next one. I'm Like I said, I, I thought I heard that there was going to be a backstory episode. Don't know what happens, but I thought I saw it somewhere and um, I'm, I'm really excited. Um so we also have, I got my feedback mix, mixed up a little bit this week. So we actually had um, some feedback from Laura, our good friend, Laura Willie Swink, that was not a voicemail. Um, they are emails. So the first one that she has, um, she says, Rima and Sean, I'm so excited to be back in the charming New England town of Castle Rock. And now it's equally pleasant and charming neighbor, New Jerusalem. Wow. That was a thrilling introduction to this universe's Annie Wilkes. So many unexpected surprises. I was completely shocked that we saw Annie kill in the very first episode. I actually thought it would be a buildup 
um, how her psychosis evolved. But as we see, she's already fully steeped in her struggle with mental health. I was impressed that she was the one who discovered the proper cocktail to suppress her symptoms. I don't remember if this was a point in the book. Um, she says she read it over 30 years ago after all. Impressive, Lara. Also, it's surprising to me that Annie and her, she says in quotes, daughter, in my opinion, I don't think Joy is her biological daughter. I don't Ooh. think so either. Um, are kind of side characters stepping into this existing drama of the Merrill family. So far, I only have one prediction. I predict that Joy and Chance are going to get into a relationship and then it's going to send Annie off the edge. And sadly, I don't think either are long for this world. Two other um, Easter eggs from episode one. The first location Annie drives to to dump Ace's body is in Castle Lake, the location of the warden's suicide in season one. And one tiny Easter egg I noticed was during Annie's license plate switching montage. The camera lingered on the Colorado license plate, which of course is where misery took place. Oh, that's right. Good call. I forgot that that's um it was kind of different thinking about Colorado because it's typically not a Stephen King yeah, location, yeah. right? So yeah, I totally forgot about that. Good catch. Um very exciting. I liked how they called it uh when he was when they're at the uh, wake, they they called it the the rock in the lot. Oh yeah, that was I really good. like that. Yeah. How funny was that that he has a wake while he's alive? Oh should we I, all I do s- that? That's what I think. I think if like Every ten years, on like your like not on your like your like your fortieth or fiftieth, like on your forty first, your fifty first. Instead of a birthday party, you should have a wake party. Yeah, you know, maybe it's when you're fifty one and a half on that day. That's when you have your wake party. Yeah, I thought that was. I'm like, I think I would love to do that, and I like yeah. how he did it. Like he knows he's gonna die, and why not enjoy the damn party when he's alive instead yep. of dead and everybody's having a party without you. Oh, I loved when the kid came up and he's like. He's like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, sorry, Pop. It's just like, like you know, basically the thing he was really like, is there anybody under 14? No? Okay, we'll take some take more some beer. Take some more beer. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, love Pops. Um, so Laura goes on to say, very excited for the upcoming episodes as well as the cast. Um, P.S. While traveling in Europe, I visited the original Castle Rock, the steep and imposing hill that towers over the city of Edinburgh in Scotland, on which Edinburgh Castle, which itself has a very dark and bloody history, looms like a gothic shadow above the city. Of course, had to think of the show. <laughs> That's awesome, Laura. Um, Laura, as she mentioned, was traveling in Europe, so she was catching up on Castle Rock when she returned to the states. So that was feedback from episode one. She also left us some feedback for season or season episodes two, um, two, three, and four. Um, she goes on to say in her next email, Revelations from Castle Rock and Jerusalem's Lot, number one. Um, his recent condition of death has refined Ace's taste in music and adult beverages. It's also taught him French. Good observation. Number two, goose zombies. Love pickled eggs. Oh, no, Laura. I want to see you eat one next time we all meet up. Um, Number three, fuckity fuck. Fuck is always an appropriate curse phrase, even on Castle Rock. Absolutely. Still enjoying this weird and wicked ride uh, through Stephen King's universe. Now, if only in the next couple episodes, we can get a reanimated Tim floating outside of Joy's window, scratching and asking her to let him in. (laughs) And the other King fans remember that scene, giving them many sleepless nights in their childhood. Cheers, Laura. That's awesome. Thank you, Laura. Wonderful feedback. I always love everything Laura has to say. She's my dark and twisty sister. That's what we always <laughs> joke about because we both um, share the same brain as far as being dark and twisty. Okay. A couple of voicemails from our good friend, Steve Brown. First one is from the third episode, Ties the Bind. 
Hello, Rima and Sean. This is Steve, and this is for Ties That Bind. I've got to admit, I got a little confused, and I watched episode three once, and then I jumped to episode four before I realized that I hadn't watched episode three again and sent in a voicemail. So I'm going to send some real quick thoughts about episode three uh, before I go rewatch episode four in the next couple of days. Um, so here goes. Uh, absolutely, absolutely love the callback to season one when they talk about the warden's head being in the lake. That was that was absolutely uh, amazing and really great to hear that uh, that kind of continuity there. And uh, absolutely love seeing Greg Grumberg. I have I have been a huge fan of his ever since J.J. Abrams put him in Alias and everything I've seen him in from his brief cameo. In Lost, and so I'm uh, I'm hoping to see more of him uh, throughout this series. But Greg Grunberg is one of them. I, I just love him; he's great. Uh, and uh, he played the cop. In case anybody doesn't know, the cop that pulls over Ace, and uh, which leads me to uh, my third thought, which is, what is Ace? What's uh, what's going on there? Because I'm I'm mm-hmm. I mean I'm pretty sure Annie killed him and dumped him and then of course he had that stuff on him so now who knows what's going on with him and uh but uh you know and i've never watched misery so i don't know all of the exact uh correlations between her being tied to the bed and her daughter uh trying to treat her kind of but i do you know i've seen commercials and i know what the movie misery was about that had whole james con thing tied to the bed so uh, you know, just those quick thoughts for episode three. I can't wait to hear what you guys thought and can't wait to hear what you guys thought of episode four. Talk to you later. Oh, thank you so much, Steve, for that. Um, awesome feedback as always. You haven't watched Misery. <laughs> that's all I can. That's I heard everything that you said, but that's what stuck with me. Um, Steve, go watch Misery. That's his homework right for the weekend. That is homework. Homework after you listen to the podcast um, when it's published. Go watch Misery. It's really good. And I would really love to hear what you think about um, Kathy Bates' Misery um, or Annie Wilkes in Misery versus Lizzie Kaplan's um, take on her. And I would, I think that, I think you'll dig it for sure. Um, so, homework, um, go do that. Um, Steve's second voicemail um, is for episode four. Well, hello, Sean and Rima. This is Steve, and this is for uh, episode four, Castle Rock, uh, Restore Hope, which is uh, kind of an interesting title, kind of maybe backwards, I guess, to what actually happened because we saw a lot of (laughs) losing hope, but uh, uh, get a lot more questions in this, this episode than we've had before. We get some answers, too. Wow, big answers. Uh, how did Joy know about the shelter to go to and, and to get there on the bus? I didn't, I didn't catch that. Um, and did we, we don't know what was on the DVD that she watched, right? Did I miss that? I watched the episode no, twice, but we got still, on that. uh, I know she put it in the computer and then we didn't see, um, so that I'm assuming that might be something we'll get in the next episode. Um, absolutely understand Pop not wanting to continue with his treatments. I know uh, 
that's a that's a real life thing. I've, I've got uh, friends that have uh, family members, parents that uh, felt the same way about chemo and, and cancer treatment. Uh, Nadia was kind of a badass there pulling that gun. And uh, what did she do with that gun? She still got it. Uh, so that's that's uh, interesting. And do you think is Ace the leader of this little fellowship following or is it the pastor, the priest? Because, you know, he he said to Chris that he was kind of building a sort of fellowship and then before he knifed him. But then it's the, the, the pastor who comes in with the, the thing to kill Chris. So I uh, uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Um, might watch episode five right now. Talk to you later. Sweet. Good. Yeah, it's a good question on the pastor. I, I think it's going to be a situation where the leader of the group isn't going to be who you're expecting. I think it's Hubie Marston in the form of Ace Merrill. <laughs> I'm, st- <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking to it. I'm not letting it go. Um, and and I'm going to have to just hold myself to it as well. Um, even if I'm wrong, I'll just, uh, I'm going to hang in there because that's what I do. I refuse to give in. Um <laughs> I don't know. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. So many good questions. A lot of stuff that we hadn't quite covered. You know, I really like the stuff whenever um, Annie goes tracking Joy down at Nadia's house. Um, Real rock bottom moment, I think, for her. Um, We didn't talk about that too much. And I don't know, a lot of things. I got to have some backstory. You cannot lead us into where we were and show us the snippets of some of that um, flashbacks in episode one and not give us some of the backstory. I've got to find out what the hell's going on um, a little bit there. So thank you all so much for contributing feedback and thanks for hanging in with us when we had last week off. And um, we appreciate you so much. And I love love hearing um, all the good stuff. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks everybody. And thanks Rima for powering through. I know I was sick and I was like, I can't do it. And Rima's like, I'm doing it. I'm powering through. I'm going to, well, like I said, <laughs> I made it without coughing too much. Um, anyway, I tried to keep it fairly quiet and hold it back. Um, I feel like I, I have no coughing left in me. I've literally been coughing since like Monday and I've not stopped and I can't stop. And um, uh, it's just, it's, that it's time of year. it is that time of year. And I just, it's, I, I feel like I, I finally got it out of my system. Like it was, uh, this level of coughing um, on Monday and it is like now it's just like taking all the air out of me. It's like, I just have no energy left. I've coughed so much. Um, so they're, they're, I'm still coughing, but it's very weak coughing um, at this point, but it's still happening. So it's fine. My voice is terrible. Um, still coughing, sounding a little nasally, but it's okay. I don't feel that bad. Um, I'll just power through it. It's been a week though. I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for hanging in there with us. We appreciate it. All right, so next week we'll be covering the fifth episode of Castle Rock Season 2 titled The Laughing Place. So the description for this episode is in 1994, a sequence of events begins that changes the life of a girl named Annie forever. 1994, that's a big year. I was eight. You know, Sean, you keep rubbing (laughs) in uh, the fact of how much younger you are than me and... I don't like it. Um, no, it's okay. No, big year. I remember 1994 quite vividly because I was much older than you <laughs> in 1994. Well, I missed all the good music. Like I was listening to like, you did, you know, 
You did. Country music at that point. Oh, man. Well, we'll save you from that. Um, well, we are really excited for you to travel to Salem's Lot with us. And while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Uh, House Podcastica right now is covering The Mandalorian. Oh, my God. Uh, I just Did you watch it? threw out the few bucks to get the uh, Disney Plus package. So, yeah, I watched it. I loved it. Listened to the episode with Jason and crew, and, and it was a really good episode. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited for The Mandalorian for just months, and it did not disappoint. Oh, it was good. So, so good. I was Disney Plus is pretty cool. I tried to get uh, my son off of Scooby-Doo because he's been on a huge Scooby-Doo kick for like the last eight months. Yep. I put on Darkwing Duck. <gasps> he was not happy. No way. Darkwing he Duck is amazing. Let's yeah, get he didn't dangerous. give it a chance. Yeah. He didn't really give it a chance. Like He was really set on Scooby-Doo, but I'll try again later. He, He's got Chippendales, too, Rescue Rangers. Like, I know. Come on. come on, Chippendale, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales. Yes. <sighs> Those are my jams. It's got Timon and Pumbaa. I don't know if you watched Timon and Pumbaa back in the day, my, the cartoon. My daughter did when it was on Disney Channel. She was uh, that age for it. And so, yeah, I've, I've seen all... I, Trust me, there there was no way we were not going to have Disney Plus in our house because we are a Disney family. Um, my daughter is completely obsessed, and um, I am as well. Um, great content for sure. Yeah, I was super stoked about The Mandalorian months ago, and um, they released the app a little early where you could sign in. It was supposed to be at like 5 a.m., and it oh, ended nice. up it was like 1 or something, and I was long story, which I won't go into. I got woken up by midnight on that Monday night and could not go to sleep. So I was on Twitter and just happened to see people like, oh my God, Disney Plus is out watching The Mandalorian. And I was like, no shit. And I immediately <laughs> went and downloaded it and got it started. So at one i I'm watching it and it was just absolutely amazing. So yeah, um, Jason's got his buddies, Chris and Rich. Um, they did the Evil Dead cast. So if you love the fellas from Evil Dead cast, they are podcasting on The Mandalorian. It is on the House Podcastica so check them out. Um, they are absolutely amazing. And of course, because we're talking about great podcasts, we cannot not talk about Sean's other awesome podcast, The Language of Bromance. It comes out every Sunday. What's in store this week? Uh, so last week we, so this episode's out right now. I talked about my trip to see uh, Jay and Silent Bob, a reboot. Nice. If you know me, I am a huge Kevin Smith fan. So I got to go there, see the flick. Uh, I got to ask a question at the Q&A, and I also got to get a quick picture with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes after the show. So that was amazing. check that out. And then this week, we are going to be reviewing the Joker movie. <gasps> I saw that. Yeah, I liked it. I li- You know or what? did I like it? I don't know. You have to listen to the episode. Yeah, don't give it away. We don't <laughs> want to know. But I'll tell you, because I'm not on the show this week. I liked it. I didn't think I was going to. My daughter, I think I kind of poo-pooed about it. She's like, I want to go see the Joker. And I was like, oh, I don't think I want to see that. I don't know. Um, Wasn't sure how to take it. But I just sat there in the theater like, wow, just wow. Um, So I I enjoyed it. 
That's awesome. I can't wait to check that out then and hear what you fellas have to say about it. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 108, Ties That Bind and Restore Hope. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Erica Inferter is strange indeed.